0: Hello, world, and welcome to another episode of Into the Blue Zone, a plant-based production. Today, this morning, I am blessed by our special guest, recent professional top 100 golf teacher in the country, Mr. Joe Pleger, and my lovely mother, Miss Simone Heyman. Guys, thanks so much for joining the show. Our pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. We're sitting inside the clubhouse of Deer Creek at the Landings Club in Savannah, Georgia. And today we're going to talk a little golf, of course, as we're both teachers and coaches. And we'll talk a little bit nutrition, right? Coming off of a Thanksgiving week. I know we all ate probably a little more than we should have, and that's totally okay.
1: Still working it off.
0: Yeah, so, um, Joe. You were uh, recently nominated and honored on being one of the top 100 golf teachers in America. That's so awesome! Thank you.
2: Congratulations, teachers.
0: Jeff. That's such a big accomplishment. I'm sure.
1: It's uh, it's something that um, I've I've done this now uh, to be a golf magazine top 100 teacher in America is um, it's a great honor. It's something that uh, I never thought about getting when I started down the road of coaching and what is great about it is that you you apply every two years and so i was nominated uh for uh to be a top 100 coach and uh rejected a few times and not not in any way that um was a bad thing it was just hey we're gonna keep adding and learning and getting better um and golf magazine has Uh, They have an academic review, they're going to look at your body of work, Uh, they're going to look at who you coach, what success have you had most importantly, and then really, um, you know, content, you know, what's your research, what are you you studying, what are you sharing? And as I've gotten uh, into that community, I've learned that everyone there cares deeply about helping players, about growing the game, about sharing research, and not keeping it all under one uh, instructor but sharing a community of it and I think that's what makes the the magazine and the website uh, unique is that you have very active coaches who are actively researching actively helping players and really sharing their knowledge and so uh, getting a chance to be a part of that community has been a, a a dream in my career and something I'm very proud of but something you have to every you have to keep contributing and, and earning. And so, um, this is my, my third time, uh, being named to that list and, uh, there's no slowing down, you know, so we're, we're doing it every day and learning and getting better. And hopefully that's, that's sharing out with golfers and making people better.
0: And did you ever aspire as a young, I'm 31 coaching volleyball. I started my own club volleyball team at High Point University. Yeah. kind of recruited been coaching kids juniors really high- level kids like yourself have you did you ever aspire to be in this kind of club and status with your coaching when you were younger or you just loved coaching
1: it's a great question so I I there was nothing like that you know when I started I like to say I started coaching full-time when it was not cool <laughs> and there was not a lot around it and it was very analog in the sense that you'd step out on a coaching tee to watch it a top teacher teach. And that's what we did. We, we learned by observing and we still do. But at that time, uh, you, you'd go find someone who's a great coach and watch them and then take away some tidbits from that. But I learned a lot from method coaches, how their methods worked and then how to apply it to certain students. And somewhere along the line, technology came into the game and we, we started to use radar, uh, high-speed video cameras, 3D. We use uh, pressure plates on the ground. But I have this very old-school beginning that I began in golf where we didn't have any of that. And we just learned through some really common sense about ball flight, what's happening with the player. The club's fit right. Uh, does this golfer have a shoulder injury? Um, are we hitting off of Bermuda or bent grass? Is, is it windy <laughs> You know these things? So... Um, The idea that I have a foot in that world before pre-technology, I think, was very helpful for me, and uh, we love technology. It makes things go faster, and we can assess it, but getting a better sense of communicating how the best teachers in the world related to humans was what I observed, and that's something that I I think came from pre-technology, learning how to do that, just communicate.
0: And then it, you just showed us the awesome bay that's being built yeah. uh, at Deer Creek. So there's six golf courses at the Landing Club. You're now the director of all of golf. And um, I'll, I'll ask you a little tougher question in a little bit. What The technology that you're talking about, elaborate a little more on what they're doing at Deer Creek that you just showed us.
1: Yeah, So so golf performance centers are – Standard for a lot of great golf clubs and we have at the landing six courses four clubhouses a couple thousand golf members it's huge and We have a year-round climate, but we also have a need for advanced technology for better coaching programs for better club fittings Uh, We have a lot of tournament players and also brand new golfers that want to know what to do and by creating a controlled environment we accelerate the learning process and we have uh, myself as a director of instruction. I do all the coaching programming. We're going to have additional coaches, club fitters, and uh, club repair folks here. But that needs a center. It's really hard to do that if you go out and you've got six people on a team and we don't have anything under a roof. So if it rains, we're, oh, well, it doesn't work. So every top center you go to it has certain technology. Cameras, easy, right? Uh, Cameras have evolved hugely. Your your phone is is so much better. It's unbelievable. When I started with these old VHS, you know, recorders, right, and we're we're rolling tape back, and it's all grainy and fuzzy. And then we'd go to digital, and then we found okay, digital cameras weren't fast enough to see the swing. Uh, And then we're talking about uh, high speed cameras, and that then our iPhones passed. What cameras you could buy in the store, and so cameras then evolved to work with radar. Radar is Trackman, uh, and that's ground to air Doppler radar. And the people that invented this to track golf balls said it was easier to track a missile than a golf ball because they kind of knew where a missile was going. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the idea is that um, we take uh, we take the radar, combine that data with uh, the the cameras that we have. And then finally, we have these things called pressure plates where you stand on the ground and synced up with the video and your radar data, we can see where you move pressure on the ground.
0: I saw that. So force field.
1: It's amazing, right? So we have this and what I love about it is there's nothing affixed to the player or the club. You just swing and we get all these amazing data points. And when we're coaching correctly, it becomes a very simple, precise element that we're changing that gets instant results and it's it's long lasting it's formative so it's it's been really cool to be a part of and bring it to the club here
0: well mom let's get you into the fold here now you have no seasonal excuse when this gets finished that's it <laughs> that's and Jeff. you know the head director okay. of golf at the landings to practice yes. I, I don't know if you ever seen her play she's she's pretty good yeah. for teeing it up once a month um, and starting at 60 uh so
2: 50s 50s more, more so Yeah.
0: maybe we could maybe we could help you break 100
2: i've done that a few times so looking forward to it again yeah <laughs>
0: okay a few times well you you got to take advantage of your resources here that's true um thank you joe where do you rank the landings as a golf community
1: it's unbelievable how unique it is and um uh, my I'm a second generation PGA golf pro. My dad is a retired club pro and my father was a head golf professional for nearly 50 years. And, um, I've worked for him, uh, in a private member owned golf club, pretty traditional 18 hole. And then I've, um, I've worked at some big places like, uh, ocean reef club in Key Largo, uh, which is kind of a private and resort club. And, Some mega clubs, you know, uh, Baltistrol in New Jersey, uh, the Baltimore Country Club in Maryland. And here, the landings is so incredibly unique because I've never seen something so big. It's huge. You know, there's six golf courses, four different clubhouses, and the staffing of that alone makes it enormous. Then you put together our programming, which unifies all these efforts which has a lot of coordination, a lot of behind the scenes between, you know, marketing, uh, accounting, communications, uh, follow up. And so there's there's a tremendous harmony between the departments that's been present in other places. But here it's essential. And so I think the teamwork of the club is great um, from the member side and hopefully the user side is pretty seamless. And it looks, it looks effortless, but I can tell you on a day-to-day basis, there's so much going on here and it's, it's an aircraft carrier size golf operation, which is amazing.
0: Yeah. I I could totally relate. Yeah. Coaching beach volleyball in San Diego for wave, wave beach. We're one of the biggest beach volleyball clubs. And, you know, no matter what you're doing, once it gets to a certain level, it gets every day. From the time you wake up to the time you're going to bed, it's kind of a lot of moving pieces, as my boss says. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, Joe, you have – all the clubs have ranges, Mm -hmm. and all but one have two ranges, the front range and the back range. So there's a lot happening there, a lot of balls flying in the air.
1: I haven't done the math, but if you think – how many golf balls get hit on these ranges a day? It's mind-blowing when you think about it. So and we're really we don't have we might have a frost delay here and there
2: hmm. like the other day
1: but there's there's really you can hit golf balls every day here and so that in alone we'll do the math I'll get back to you on we'll have to <laughs> think about that but it's 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 again a huge size operation and it runs pretty seamlessly
0: could we quickly just touch on like the cost for golf outside of the landings there's just a lot of successful and affluent people here that can afford such an amazing community of golf and amenities. What about like the the price? Maybe not even for a round of golf. Just to hit balls, you know, I pay like twelve bucks or fourteen dollars in Del Mar. It's pretty expensive to live in Del Mar. Do you think we could adjust the cost to like a lower, affordable price? Just to hit balls, not even for a round.
1: Yeah, and and there's if you look across the country and there's been a lot of cool programs i know that there's one in california near you uh it's it's uh save save the munis right and there's a goat park in san francisco i think is they're they're trying to save it you know and and because they want to keep golf affordable communal um people that live and and work together can go all have this experience of golf together at a low cost um my dad as a head golf professional um I didn't play golf as a junior at his club I'd play with my grandfather at our local municipal golf course Pine Ridge in Maryland and it was eight bucks to play golf you know maybe in my era a little different not as much of the range balls but you know accessibility is huge in golf and the PG of America the USGA, um, many owner operators are trying to keep that affordability out there because we need that entry point. You know, golf is um, seeing a resurgence. I think COVID started a new wave of people wanting and getting interested in golf, and that was kind of like what happened with Tiger when Tiger first came on the scene in the late '90s, uh, caused this huge explosion of of new golfers, and more of the entry level courses saw that explosion. So, getting a a barrier to game to the game, you're seeing um, uh, different starter sets. They're they're less expensive. Um, things like the first tee for juniors, mm-hmm. huge program. We're starting one up in Savannah. That's uh, it's being restarted here, and it's having tremendous fundraising success. And that's all about getting juniors access to the game. So it, it it's not it's not an inexpensive sport if you're playing it at this level. But the game is definitely evolving to meet the needs of the newer golfer at any age. So I see that. And if just as a comment, you know, if I were if I were building a golf club and opening a a new golf course, I think I'd make one that has no water hazards, no bunkers, uh, that was pretty straightforward, no trees, even maybe just a couple couple out there and make it really fun and really affordable and and maybe the ski comp comparison to that is we need a bunny slope. And so that would be the way to teach it. And, you know, talk a little about Bryson a bit, but, you know, when Bryson DeChambeau was, was just here at the club, he was sharing, you know, where he started to play golf, he had a local golf course that he played where his goal was to, you know, shoot in the 50s, you know, and, and he could, you know, because it was a easier golf club. And it helps players develop a sense of the game and scoring when the game's not as hard. You know, and, and, and as a golfer, right, you wouldn't want to go to a course that you couldn't master or conquer or play or even score on. So I think the the game is getting more of those access places and it needs to be communal. You know, we, we have Bacon Park here in Savannah, which has uh, been around for a long time since the early 1900s. And they hold the Savannah City Championship. And maybe, maybe. It's not the greatest venue in the city, but all the best players come out and every golfer in the community comes out. And that's the most important venue for that event. And I think it's great that they bring it to that golf course and just something I've seen as a new Savannah resident that I, I love.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think there's a huge resurgence in the talent and the age. Yeah. With golf. You're, you just met Kyle Berkshire. Yeah. Am I pronouncing that right?
1: Well, Kyle and I, Kyle and I go back. I'm in Maryland, uh, where I came from, and I was Kyle's uh, junior uh, coach for a little bit. I, I gave Kyle a few lessons um, when he was in high school, and Kyle at the time didn't have long hair, but he, <laughs> but he was uh amazing golf swing. And Kyle worked uh, locally with uh, a coach, Bernie Najjar, and Bernie's at Caves Valley Golf Club, coaching there, and he was at a club called Woodhome prior to that, or Woodmont. I'm sorry. Uh, wood home i'm sorry in baltimore woodmonts in dc but kyle um uh, amazing talent always had a great golf swing and i think what he's done with long drive is just phenomenal for the sport love love what he's doing and he's going to try out for his tour card pretty soon too
0: yeah i mean i guess hitting the ball how far 450 what is he what's his long drive
1: well it, yeah i think he's in the 440s when he did it and uh you know we we've seen him live and in person, and it's it's stunning that you know the the swing speed, the ball speed. It's just you know I think his I think his record is 162 miles per hour club head speed, which is you know if I do the math, lab, it's about 240 miles an hour ball speed, which is I mean ridiculous. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool to see him on tour.
1: It and you know I I think it's possible because. The, the length of golf courses are amazing. You know, I, I, I've been around enough and you see these major venues, whether it's Oakmont or, um, you know, maybe it's uh, Olympic, you know, in, in California or, or Beth Page Black in New York, you know, which is amazing. And these lengths are so unfathomably far, you know, and you look at how the prerequisite of a tour professional, a male tour professional is really you've got to advance the ball a long way off the tee. Now, Kyle, to his advantage, well, that's box is checked. And now I think it comes down to creativity and a shot making. You know, you've driven it 360 yards or whatever, but now we've got to hit a touch shot. And that's what makes golf uh, unique. You know, we can't all just hit every shot full. You can off the tee, but then you've got to start to, to work trajectories and spins and, and hole locations and wind. Uh, lie changes so there's there's so much that goes into scoring that is different but you know I I think Kyle's got an amazing chance I really do and I think if he's got some great I think he has some great advice and he's going to keep building but he's he's one of the most dedicated golfers that I've I've ever seen he's so completely focused and engaged in what he's doing I wouldn't put it past him
0: kind of reminds me of a real life happy Gilmore truly that would be awesome.
1: Well, he changed. He changed the swing, didn't he? You know, we all the Happy Gilmore, the walk up, right? Mm-hmm. And Kyle, you know, rocks from foot to foot.
0: Little Matthew Wolf, yeah, kind of rocking, dancing before he hits. You know, and <laughs> and so
1: they. I love the breaking of the establishment. What what should it look like? You know, it, it's the the again back to the era that I started in the game of golf. We were all hammered into the same mold. You know, you had to look the same. The oh, swing yeah. had there was right. The convention was
0: shaved, and, short hair,
1: and part your hair. Comb. And in the swing, you know, keep, swing, keep your head down. You know, don't lift up. You know, stay back. You know, and and, and all these mm-hmm. these norms that were as we just took them as well. I guess that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And um, we're we've broken this distance barrier, and you're seeing how the ground forces right how we move on the ground look different. Um, the speed the development of speed in players like uh like kyle and bryson you know at 140 mile an hour driver speed um just remarkable how these barriers keep getting pushed and and that's changing what the professional game looks like but also what i see on a day-to-day basis with regular golfers
0: is it true one of my friend's daughter she she said i don't really like golf mm-hmm. and i said oh why She's like well it stands for gentlemen only ladies forbidden
1: whoa whoa
0: I, I didn't know how to combat that so I'm gonna put this one on you well, real quick
1: was as a as a father of a daughter um, I and as a frontline professional in this game that is not the game that that I see today it is not forbidden for women at all. matter of fact it's one of the largest growing segments of the game you know the more ladies playing now than there were a decade ago. And we're actively engaging uh, ladies' golf programs. Here Here at the landings, just to start locally at this level, uh, there's over 500 ladies in our ladies' golf program here. It's the largest in the country. It's huge.
2: Outside the uh, LPGA, right?
1: That's it, outside the LPGA. And so um, so much programming that we do is geared towards whether you're a beginner, uh, you want to play a nine holes, you want to play an 18, you want to play – Um, you know, in certain leagues, or you don't want a competitive environment. So there's more options there. And I can share that the junior girls that I coach right now, and a couple that I'm just amazed with, um, are, they are some of the most talented junior players that I've ever seen. And they're inspired by uh, both male and female professional athletes. And I think that it was really cool to see in the Olympics, uh, to watch Nelly Korda, you know, get a gold medal for the United States in golf, um, and, and how globally how the game has exploded too. And in the LPGA, they play more events internationally than just in the United States now. So it's, it's a global game, it's a, and it's, you know, how the LPGA Girls Foundation is growing the game. Uh, we try in PGA Junior League to get more juniors, especially junior girls, playing um it's it's absolutely that that and i can think of a couple clubs in the country that are still men only right but that's that's their choice they, they choose to do that and believe me they pay for that ability and it doesn't necessarily i don't look at it as that's restrictive to the game because there are millions of opportunities to play golf and I look at golf as probably the most accessible it's ever been right now in the history of the game ever. And the origins of golf's exclusivity started back in Scotland and Ireland, where it was reserved for, you were definitely paying for that access and it was an elitist game. And, um, you know, maybe Francis Wamey on that great movie, the greatest game ever played, broke that barrier as, you know, a caddy winning the U S open, you know, and, uh, Sam Snead, uh, no, it was, a uh, Gene Sarazen, you know, and all these great players that broke these like backgrounds where they came from and, you know, went on to great things and Tiger Woods breaking a color barrier in the game, you know, and I think, um, I think Annika did a great job, you know, uh, being the first woman in the modern era, there, there were others that played in PG tour events, but, Annika was um, amazing at breaking down, you know, a gender barrier in the game. So if, if golf feels exclusive, look around more. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot more programming out there. And I think it's um, it might still be happening in some areas where it doesn't feel like there's those access points. But I can tell you, we're all about, you know, engagement, opening up the game to more people, making it accessible, especially to especially girls and ladies.
0: Awesome. That's yep. good. That's good to hear. I'll have to relay it and tell her yeah, to watch. We're, come on, she's she's a she's a sassy little thirteen year old. So tell yeah. her
1: tell her to call me, and we'll we'll but, get this straightened out. All
0: right, she just might. <laughs> cool. Uh, so well, last little golf thing, and then I want to transition more to a little bit about our nutrition because we're always focused on um, you know health and wellness, and me being an athlete and a coach. I, I want to integrate some nutrition talk. Um, what was the biggest takeaway you you learned from the shambo? When he came it was just last week, right? Yeah. A week and a half ago.
1: Yeah, so uh Bryson was here last Saturday for uh practice and he was visiting a friend and needed a place to practice. His tour rep said, "Hey, where do we send him?" and and came here to the landings and uh was great to host him, have him here.
0: That's awesome. And that speaks volumes that he comes here.
1: It well, it was a great connection to make and I think um It was really, really neat because just the week before, uh, we were in Pinehurst for the Golf Magazine Top 100 Teacher Summit, which is a great gathering of all the coaches. And uh, Bryson's coach, Chris Como, was in person and in a segment, was on stage and had Bryson Zoomed in. We had a a big screen and was a live conversation with, with DeChambeau. And they talked a lot about, you know, getting ready for the match maybe um, uh, what the long drive uh, he was recently in the world long drive competition and then what's it like you know what what's training like what's what's but the practice regimen like <clears throat> and so having that experience of watching it was great to continue the conversation and he could not have been more engaging or or open about it and we uh, we had a lot of tech out he had his foresight, unit to check the radar. I had my track man behind it and we're talking about, you know, the warm up sequencing and how he gets to 140 miles an hour club at speed and what type of ball flight he uses. But, um, a couple of takeaways, uh, one, um, no days off, you know, always has to hit golf balls every day. And so no days off. Um, another was, you know, uh, the precision in the practice, you know, what is the, the purpose? What am I doing out here? You know, uh, sequencing up to getting speeds up to a certain point, then getting a certain type of ball flight out of it. Very purposeful. And then, uh, you know, what's what's next? You know, is it a workout day? Was it a heavy uh, lifting day? Is it going to be uh, changing that practice regimen a bit too? So very, very orchestrated, very coordinated efforts, lots of thought into it, not just hitting a ton of shots, but just what are we working on to get ready for the next thing?
0: With your upcoming lessons with your kids, are you going to relay some of that? Like, do you use him as an example? Oh, like I heard Shamba talk about this and no days off. And, you know, I always look to give examples to my athletes that I noticed, whether it was about guys making plays or not making plays and and so on.
1: Yeah. So, so, a lot of what each player does is, um, is a very secret sauce, a very highly customized program at a certain point. And what I'd say what's shareable about learning from Bryson and what he does is the purposeful practice, the way that we're setting an organized plan to go about it. Now, I think that you could say for distance – there are also some some well known things about increasing backswing speed, uh, using the ground to load in and push out of. You know, we call that verticals. How to literally jump. You know, get taller when you're hitting the golf ball. How uh, things like your hand path. You know, getting your hands to extend from the ground and go faster, not only towards the ground, but then pulling away from it. You know, creating some clubhead speed that way. Um, are all things that you go, hey, this is what's all maximized. This is why we're seeing it in in Bryson. Now, when we look at a, a golfer, there you might share a story and go, hey, let's look at this. And maybe this is what you might see in Bryson that we're going to talk about in your swing. But um, there's really not any one athlete I'm going to go, let's sit down and copy this. And... I've learned that, you know, from that early phase of method coaching, which was, oh, let's, you know, why don't we look like Tiger Woods? Well, let's put everybody up against Tiger. Well, he's pretty good, right? Well, we kind of lose track after that setup, right? And maybe, why is that? Well, structure dictates movement. And so when you take a guy like Bryson, who's got Bryson's structure? Who who am I ever going to cross in my time as coach that's Bryson or Kyle Berkshire? None, and so we we love we love to. As coaches, we admire what's happening in that coaching platform, the program. Now there are certain laws that are unbreakable that radar helps us see, but that each recipe to the player, I think mechanically is cool that I can I can dial in on, but to a deeper context is when I say, um, what's this player going through right now? Are, are they are they having success? Are they they failing um are they going through something in their life that is impacting how they play and if it's a a junior golfer you know are they are they they have exams now you know they focus as much on golf or they uh or do we have a, a tournament stretch that they're coming up to go on the road for that i have to get them ready for um that changes what i'm inserting and even at the club level you know golfers that are um they're nervous about playing in something and they might not be on a TV, but they're to them, that's a major. And so I'm always looking at how what I'm sharing is, is the right information at the right time. And, but I love to believe me, those videos and swings of Bryson's, You go, Hey, take a look. Let's see what 140 mile an hour driver looks like. And let's see what a ball flight going 390, 390 yards looks like and it's, it's inspiring.
0: I love how deep you just went there. I was looking for a little simpler answer. <laughs> like, yeah, see how he works hard? Yeah. He <laughs> just went off on uh, the greatest five-minute golf tangent <laughs> this podcast will ever witness. Come on. I so, uh, love it. I, I mean, if you're watching, give a little wave. And, uh, you know, for the, the audience, future audience that's going to listen to this, you know, I hope that the golf advocates of my network listen because you just kind of you could just tell through your passion for the love for the game. It's the heart, you just know, just everything about the game, all the nuances, all the subtleties,
1: and and that's the human part. You know, it's it's the part that you know we we as coaches are. I think the the big difference in looking at somebody's swing or technique on anything is you go, okay, there's the error. Okay, well, what's the fix? What's the fix sequence? Well, here it is. You know, that, that's what I call, that's the easiest part of my job. And the, the most difficult part is relaying that message, I think, is communication and how to share what it is we're going to change, how we're going to change it, the concept of it. Then it's how am I going to train this? Is this person kinesthetic? Are they a field learner? Does visual help? Concepts? Am I going to put them on a, a different slope or lie or condition? Um, you know, and and then, like you said, where are they as a person at that moment? And so, knowing what to say, when to say it, is probably the most artful thing that I do. And there's a lot of coaches out there that aren't wrong. They 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 always have the right answer, but they might bulldoze over a moment. And lose that to the player, and then the golfer's frustrated, and then they can't come back. And, you know, that didn't work. You know, I'm, I got worse. You know, well, wh- he was right or she was right, but maybe that moment would have been better to say, "Hey, um, what's the What shot scares you? Oh, I, I hate the fourth hole. You know, the, I always hit in the water. Okay, well, what trauma have you had? You know, with this club, and how am I trying to correct this trauma?" You know, what strategies can I give you for the fourth hole? And it might not be hitting a pile of golf balls right on the range, but that moment that I get when a player texts or calls or sends me a message back and goes, I got it over the water on the fourth hole. It worked, right? That's when we're, we're relating correctly to a human.
0: Yeah, I think, last thing, Harvey Penix, Little Red Book. Yeah. He, um, I want to just go off of how you say things. Yeah. He has like, I think that's the book where he's very, specific on what word he uses for the skill that person yeah that description of the action whether you're popping it or chipping it
1: so harvey's book uh the little red book i love what he called it it was full of his what he called truths these are things that he says in the beginning these are things that i found to be true truths about golf and uh a a great fellow top 100 teacher mark steinbauer was a young assistant and was Harvey's assistant, and tells some amazing stories about Harvey's ability to relate correctly. And it's probably the genius of Harvey was he knew the words, the way, the methods, the elements on how to reach that person. And when you you know when you hear these stories about Harvey um, late in his life, Mark Steinbauer tells a great story. Uh, would uh, come to the range. Harvey uh, couldn't couldn't stand or walk for very long but he would be driven down in a golf cart he would um, lean out of the cart cup his hand to his ear and, and listen for the sound of impact he'd ask mark where the ball went and then he'd tell the player let me see your club he'd look at the club where the impact point was and he'd tell the player what to do and and the and it got better and so his his mastery of technique was amazing but the ability for you know the right element of what to change was was an amazing thing now knowing what Tom Kite who was a student of his needed to hear was on the range he, he had to he wanted to hear that technical information and get better Ben Crenshaw was always on the golf course he never worked with him on the range it was on the golf course Ben the sh- shape the shot like this feel this and two amazing differences but players that had equal success so that thing about Harvey and that book, which is so great and still sits in the top five easily of all the best golf books ever written, is a journal. And so I I try to journal and remember these things, and I look back, and it's amazing. I My, my book, I would never publish it because I'm still learning, so I kind of look backwards and go, I can't believe I thought that or, did, or that was what I focused on. And maybe now as I'm getting to this point, um, I'm, I'm reaching a epic birthday and we can have a whole podcast on turning 50 and, you know, what goes in your brain. But when you, you reach a point, you go, okay, technically I can see what's wrong. But relatability-wise, you know, conditions of a human, you know, what that person needs to hear at that moment might be the skill that is opening up for me as I get into this point. And I I can see on a player's face I can almost under pre-formulate what they're thinking and the best part is when we do the least say the least and I see the smiles and the ah the awareness pop up it's pretty cool
0: yeah I totally understand
1: that's the bar, that's why we coach right yeah, that's that's the totally moment that's the moment
0: yeah exactly yeah you can just sense the energy you kind of know what he's thinking feels so good you just get in his head. And you're like, I got you. It's the best. It is, it is. I think this is a perfect parlay into kind of the nutrition, like, you know, not teaching a an old dog new new habits. You alluded to that you're turning 50 soon. Yeah. And that, you know, you're still kind of figuring out your coaching ways. I'm sure you're kind of settling into some of your philosophies that you kind of your, your core yeah. of what to do and what not to do and how to do it and how to breathe, totally. all that stuff. Are you have you transitioned your, your diet to more of a vegan plant-based lifestyle?
1: Yeah. And, and it was, um, you know, a lot of different influences that, that I think were like, why am I not doing this? You know, why, why am I not looking into this direction? And, you know, for me, it had a lot to do with, um, it was kind of a, kind of a silly moment. I I guess it was like the end of a day. And I was like, I think I ate like five animals today, <laughs> like, like, you know, I had like all these different meats and, and I'm like, it wasn't bad, you know, it wasn't I? but thinking I was like, I wonder what it would be like if I cut that down to two or one and then, okay, now I'm this close, you know, what's it like not eating meat, you know, and going in this route. And, you know, for me, it, it's been, um, uh, you know, it's definitely nature, you know, growing up around and, and nurture in my, my house, you know, that was just what we did, you know. If you're hungry, you know, bacon and eggs. Okay, next uh, lunch of a ham sandwich. You know, get, what's for dinner? We're gonna a steak. Okay, well, that's what you ate. And and my 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 grandmother, God rest her, I love, love my grandmother. Th- the house it was it was meats and two sides, right? That was it. Every meal. And it was th- and that was it. But getting to now where for me, you know we're on our feet as coaches all day, you know, and I can't sit down and eat meals. Like I, I'm much better grazing throughout a day and, you know, fruits and nuts and, you know, salad and things that I can keep in a more consistent diet for me as a coach. It's better. And kind of modeling how to my students as well, like this is part of the deal. This is part of what we're going to do in training getting ready. You know, if you want to go that extra step, well what you're putting into your body has a lot with what you can produce. You know, why is why isn't around a round of golf? Why is it more like a marathon than a sprint? You well, know, cuz you're out there a long time. You got to keep your focus up, but you have to burst, you have to hit a ball, you have to hit a massive drive. Then you have to relax and focus on a putt. And you got to go back and hit a drive again. And the mental output along with walking and, and moving puts a huge physical strain on, on what you can do in that endurance and, and in practice, what you can maintain and sustain. So how it's changed for me was I'm, I'm close enough to getting to this point and I want to keep going in this direction of, of kind of eliminating eating meat. And then it was for my students to go, okay, well, this is really working for me, you know, try, try some of these better supplements, you know, try, try snacking on something different, you know, don't, you know, don't eat things that are going to take away from all the hard work you're putting into your game. And, and so it's trying to be a better coach, better, better person for me physically, but then also trying to do some modeling for my players.
0: Love it. I think better people, better athletes. So if we're better people and we're doing our part, we're going to be a better athlete or a better coach. And we're just going to kind of pass the torch to the kids we're teaching. And, um, you know, like you alluded to, if my kids are going to practice and then we're going to have a tournament, I want them eating the best they can eat Mm -hmm. on the day of the tournament, not the complete opposite. And for many years I saw on tournament day, they were eating the worst things possible. And I was like, this doesn't add up. So we got to kind of slowly, educate and and encourage and tell them what to eat instead of what not to eat because they don't know the, it's the kids don't know the parents don't know the traditions yeah um that we're kind of seeing that you're talking about the barriers that we're breaking through golf i think we're breaking through through food too and uh it's Completely really agree it's really refreshing uh mom let's get you in the mix real quick sure, um, okay. can you go over a little bit of what we um we made and what you made for thanksgiving
2: Well, for Thanksgiving, I made a neat loaf, and this is a recipe that my mother had made years ago, and it had lentils in it, and different nuts, and seeds, and vegetables, and and oatmeal, and it just satisfies that. Uh, We had lots of different vegetables. We had a sweet potato that had nuts and other berries in it, and... uh, mashed potatoes with some vegan butter for change and some homemade cashew milk that I whipped in there. And uh, what else? Oh, the spinach pie recipe that souffle that my mother-in-law had made years and years ago when I converted it to organic ingredients, uh, say 20 years ago, and then just changed it up and just putting all vegan. Uh, Yes, somewhat slightly processed, but compared to what And for how many times a year that we have that, it just is, you know, a standard favorite. And homemade cranberry sauce, I mean, everything is basically homemade, and even gravy. And even a friend said, or relative said, oh, I really loved your gravy, your gravy was really good. And that person ate some traditional food as well, other people cooked it, and I had nothing to do with that part of it, but we had 10 people around the table, and we had five and five. And um, it was good to be at least on the even side. And a lot of times we have people come over and somebody has to bring their own food because I don't have that in my house. And that is fine. And, uh, you know, we're starting a big movement out here with Plan Strong of Skidaway Islands and appreciate you being part of that. Um, We have a panel discussion coming up next month, almost next month in uh, January. Going to have some professionals with that on the panel and some other people in the community so we can help educate and keep this going. I have a plant-based ladies evening at my home in a couple of weeks, everybody bringing some other part of a dinner to get together because things are changing and we need to be the voice of change because if we don't do it, who else is going to? And this is something I'm passionate about and there's a purpose behind it and even though we may have eaten a little bit more of that food this weekend, I'm not looking to lose five pounds this coming week. It may be just one pound. And that's a big difference for a lot of people. It's a big difference for women. And as we get older, it's not easy. And we just need to keep plowing forward and keep it going. And love to meet your wife, Bridget, and and get to know her and some of the other professional wives of the guys that I know out here. And um, and just to keep educating and educating adults so that they can properly educate their children and prepare for them. People said, oh, it takes time. It takes time to make anything. It takes time to cook anything. Nobody just opens a package of chicken or steak and eats it raw out of the package, okay? So let's not fool ourselves that we can't put a squash in the oven and can't put a potato in the oven and load it up with some other veggies and some vegan sauce and make it a dinner. It's just not acceptable. And I know women that don't cook, but they eat. And everything has to be cooked as well. And there's a lot more available these days. You need to look, you need to hook up with us so that you can get better and healthier and not have it be the issue or not have it be the symptoms that are part of the problem in our health. I mean, we have so much in this community that takes care of our physicalness and our mental game. But what we're putting in does not make sense. It just totally contradicts that. And and, you know, there was a saying years ago, and I just saw um, Ocean Robbins. Do you know Ocean Robbins? John Robbins' son, the founder of Baskin and Robbins. Yeah, yeah they, they're they plant-based people now. And he said, you know, it's not – it used to be the expression, you are what you eat. And he says, well, it's not what you eat, it's what you digest. And I and I have another expression of that, and it, it's uh, – it's not what we eat. It's what we eat that becomes a part of us. You know, it used to be you are what you eat. No, what we eat becomes a part of our bodies. So do you want that Twinkie to become part of your body or do you want that apple to become a part of your body? And it just needs to be um, expanded on and um, investigated and and people need to speak up more of what they want. People have spoken up in the past, and I've spoken up before in how I wanted things prepared when i went to a dining restaurant and now it's changed a little bit it's and and it doesn't have to be so elaborate it just has to be good and that's what we need it's seasoning it's flavors and wholesome flavors and i'm glad to have you part of this and taking the time to join us and i know sky has a couple other questions to ask of you as well so
0: Thank you. yeah we're going to respect your time i know you're out of here in a couple minutes so um Maybe last couple things here and then sure. let you on to your grind of beautiful coaching on, on the it. range. Um, yep. with, with your nutrition change, how long, real quick, have you been?
1: It's been whatever
0: for, label we want to call it.
1: Yeah, I guess for me, like um, months, you know, and, and moving a lot more towards it has been, you know, um, it's it been a slower process. I wouldn't say it was a, a moment in time towards it and and for the past few months been just amazing you know? so
0: you're just fresh on the scene you're fresh like a kid who scene. just got his first driver yeah and i was like learning
1: i was out uh by your hometown in california i was mm-hmm. i was in carlsbad and i visited i, I sent your mom this you know I, I went to this great place called the veggie grill mm-hmm. and i was like this is awesome this is great they got all this great food it's all plant-based and it was delicious and i was like i, I texted her some pictures of the menu <laughs> i was like this is
2: great why don't we have this in savannah yeah, well, so that's true. And next time you'll go hook up with Skylar and yeah. he'll take you to some even better places. That's too. great. Yeah, I, they, just, yeah. I just
0: walk and ride a mile and there's 10 spots. And, I love it. Um, I was going to ask then kind of what changes have you noticed? I feel like it's a little maybe early on to really kind of see or yeah. feel like I've had my skin tighten and, you know, just.
1: Changes. Less yeah. gunk
0: on my teeth, like stuff you wouldn't think about from eating processed food and meats and now you're eating cleaner.
1: Yeah, and, and I that's a great word, you know, eating cleaner. You know, and so uh, for me, um, one of the things that I look at is how my work performance. You know, and and for me, it's like a sustained level of of energy and cognition. You know, so that the, my last person that I see has the same experience as the first person that I see. And and in a lot of ways, you know, that crash, maybe like post lunch crash, or you know, just not feeling good. Um, You know, hey, I gotta gotta guzzle another cup of coffee or get fired up, or you know, it just changed, you know, where it's like, oh, okay, there's no real energy blip in my day. Probably the most noticeable thing for me. Um, the second thing is kind of weird. I didn't like, I like crave fruit, like, constantly. I love, (laughs) like, it's like I didn't like fruit a ton before, but now I like, I'm like, yeah, that I want to eat that stuff now. It's really different. So, the and and the things that are different for me, um, that that I think are the energy, what I what I actually look forward to eating right now, um, and when I find some places that have uh, some great plant-based items on the menu, you know, I'm I'm psyched to try it. So it's been great.
0: Sounds like you're getting those little energy bursts from the fruit without yeah. that kind of bad feeling in your stomach and on your feet, and you're just like, wow, just keep going. This lesson's great. Yeah. Cool. All right. Last question, then we'll let you roll. Uh, I've been asking all my guests um, in a general world, uh, what's your key to life? And it could be something simple like making the bed, or waking up with the sun, or morning routine, or evening, whatever you got. I'll yeah. give you a second, and Mom, maybe you could just one thing. And
1: I love it. So I'm gonna tell you a story. And I was flying to Florida from Baltimore. And I got, um, I was southwest, I'm on this flight, and I'm one of the last people to check in. So I've got C boarding. And we all know what C stands for, it means center, right? So you're on the center seat. So I have a I have a philosophy when I'm I'm flying center. I look for the smallest two people <laughs> and to sit in between. <laughs> and in the early part of the flight were two elderly ladies and, and I said, Man, I sit here and sat down and uh, to my left was an amazing lady, um, and she said, the, and the Wi-Fi didn't work in the plane. That's the other thing. And a lady turned to me, and she said, well, we got to talk. And I said, let's talk. And he, she introduced herself. Her name is Zenta Corin. And Zenta told me a story um, about her life, and she survived the Holocaust. And she talked about she lost everything. And she lost her whole life and she had escaped she fled berlin with her then boyfriend who she married he had since passed but she talked about her her life and i she she keyed on me about moderation and you know we all heard have heard this before too um i'm sorry getting a little caught up about this but um she she talked about um Moderation in her daily life, her diet, right? And she, she said, I, I smoke. She still smoked. She said, but I have one cigarette. She said, it's moderation. And I couldn't argue with her. She was in her 90s. Um, you know, in what she ate uh, in her activities. Uh, but she talked about moderation in politics because she said, I've seen extremism. She talked about moderation in um, activity, you know, and not overdoing one thing to another. And so I got off the flight. We kind of exchanged, you know, emails and I I sent her some messages and um, and literally people that were on the plane around us were leaning in. And I, I, there were there were a line of people off the flight that wanted to just shake her hand, they wanted to meet her. And I felt like that experience for me was just for me. And it kind of changed me in a sense that I felt like that's, that's a key to life. You know, that moderation, not just in what we do, but in what we see around us. And we're living a world right now where there's extremism and people are extreme. And, you know, that's not a key to life so finding moderation, finding balance in, in almost everything I try to do has been what I consider to be a key to my life. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to dive all in on my students today and do everything I can. Um, I'm going to be present for my job. I'm going to be um, a dad at the end of the day again. You know, I'm going to be present with my wife, you know, and, and my family. And and what I try to do is is be moderate with all of it and and balance it and give everyone their place and um and I think that's been a key to a key to life for me and I don't and I owe that to Zenta to, for her sharing that story.
2: It's quite a poignant story. Thank you for sharing that. Care to follow up? The one thing that came to my mind, could relate, I'm not sure if it's on the other side or not, but somewhat, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for any anything. And, you know, uh, you know, try to be a good person, good mom, giving, maybe not all the time, maybe not ways it's wanted. Uh, Nurturing is a big thing. Nurturing with food has always been a big thing. Growing up in a Jewish household, always a big thing. Now shifting the food. And, you know, some things were left over that other people didn't take or eat. Going to give it away to somebody else who eats it. Because they're going to go out and buy it anyway. But it's not going to be in my, my space because it's not what I stand for. And, um, and I, you know, I want people to know and respect, and I believe they do. Uh, this, is, this is what I'm about. About for many reasons. And we did shift on a dime. Skylar came to her older son's wedding, shared, um, I think it was food choices. We changed our dinner for the wedding last minute on the fly and haven't really looked back since. That's great. And, um, it's become a big thing because we all need to eat. You know, we don't need, need to drive golf balls every day for those who play golf. <laughs> but we all need to eat food and you know, what is real food out there? And there's just so many words that got jumbled up when with healthy and health and nutritious. And the experts sometimes don't even know, just like they don't know on some other things going on out there. Though the numbers seem to prove in a certain way. Yeah. And, um, I'm just going to stick with what I'm, what I know with food and some of the top doctors that I've seen and met and heard of. And, um, And it's great when your kids can make such an impact in your life and change your life in that way and how you want to pass it on now to our next generation, to our grandchild and have him consume and eat more that way because we can change our taste buds. When we change our food, the cells in our mouth, when they go shed, change our taste buds. So it is possible. And if you have to fool yourself and fake it till you make it, you know, by all means, go right ahead. So thanks for being part of this. My pleasure. This movement. It is a movement, really. It's not going away. It's not a fad. It's a movement that changes things, that changes the direction of the world. And um, it's got to start with one individual and keep on going. Believe you. Thank you. Yep.
0: Love it. Straight from the heart. Yep. Awesome. Joe, thank you so much. My pleasure. Again, this is a plant-based production. You've been listening to Into the Blue Zone and special guest, Joe Plecker, director of the Landings Golf, PGA Master Golf Professional, and co-founder of the Swing Index.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Have a good day.
1: Thank you, Joe. All right.